And, you know, one of the places I had to put a needle was in his perineum. Well, I didn't have to. I, I wanted to. I said, hey, can I put a needle in your perineum? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to. I could just put it in his arm. But what fun would that be? <laughs> but first, a word from our sponsors. Are you looking to start a podcast? Want to use audio as a marketing tool for your small business? Enjoy free credits when you use my promo code Billy at Libsyn.com. That's Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, or click the link in the show notes. Dogecoin to the moon? Ready to buy the dip? Start investing in cryptocurrency today with Coinbase, and you can get $10 worth of Bitcoin for free after signing up at manhorpod.com slash crypto. Come on, how much longer is this fiat thing going to last? Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Jingle my bells and deck my halls hard. This is Billy Presida and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 coming to you from the great state of New Jersey, where I am trying to comfortably masturbate in my childhood bedroom. Hello! Thanks for showing up, everyone. <laughs> also trying to duck all my mom's sexual innuendos like the Matrix, and it is not working. She is getting very comfortable with herself, and it's like good for her, and I gotta get over it, I guess. She's her own woman, I suppose? But also still my mom, but it's fine. <laughs> Ties in actually quite a bit with my conversation this week with author Christine Delosier. She's got a new book out called Diet for Great Sex. But this episode is not just about how to optimize your sex life with a better diet. We're also talking about family of origin. We're talking about how to talk to your kids about sex. We're talking about acupuncture. Uh, we got a jam-packed episode for y'all coming up in just a bit. But first, yikes, you, you know it's getting bad when they start canceling the orgies again. Aye, it's about to be a weird winter. Get your glory holes ready again. We might be, we might have to resort back to such things. Cause, and you know, you don't want to have to do a glory hole. You know, you want to, you want to choose to hang a glory hole. You, you won't have to be doing that as a public health measure. Kind of take some of the fun out of it, but. This, this is where we're at, everyone. This, this, this is what's going down. We're, we're picking Tinder matches to meet up with based off of like how social they are. So you're, you know, you pick the more shy and meek and awkward Tinder match because you're like, yeah, you know, she's probably not seeing a lot of people. Old are the days where you slut-shamed in your head and you you judged who you should fuck based off of how many people you perceive that they fuck. No, no, no. Now we choose our casual sex partners based off of like how popular and social they are. You know, how how many birthday parties do they get invited to? Because uh, if, if that's the metric, then I am a very safe bet. What's up, everybody? Hey. <laughs> oh, my. But wherever you are, I hope you are feeling safe. I hope you are feeling boosted. I hope you are uh, surrounded by at least one or two people who love and care about you. It's about to be a very confusing and scary time. So just please try to make good decisions. I don't even know what a good decision is anymore. Another great decision you can make is supporting the Man Whore Podcast and the work that I do on Patreon. None of this works if I'm not sponsored by Fan Whore Nation, and you can be part of that for as little as $2. And I'm running a very special promo right now. If you join up with an annual membership by the end of the year, even at the $2, $5 level, you can get a two-week free trial in The Peep Show, which is another community we have. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's a group chat that's been running for like five years where we just share nudes, gifts, and compliments all day and every day. It's, it's a beautiful space. Uh, the Peep Show, it's available to all my $10 up fan whores. But again, if you get an annual membership at the $2 or $5 tiers, I'll give you a two-week free trial in The Peep Show. So I, before we get to my conversation with Christine Delosier, let's just do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. Right now, I want to give a shout out to Mark Soskow and Bren Crow, a couple fan whores who showed up for one day of patronage. Because, hey, sometimes Patreon is kind of a tip jar. 
Though, you know, if you want to just give me a tip and you don't want to like become a member, I just send, I, I got my Venmo and Cash App in the show notes. They don't charge a fee or anything. <laughs> and the whole taxable income situation of that is like, you know, questionable and shaky. But hey, we love uh, when you join the Patreon, whether it's for a day, a month, a year or more. And you can become a member today and enjoy a slew of great rewards and maybe even test out the peep show when you join up at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And now for this week's guest, Christine Delosier. Uh, you know, sometimes when you have on like a a expert type of guest there, they wrote a book on a very specific topic or they're kind of a researcher. They can sometimes be a tough interview because they don't always really want to talk about themselves. They they want to talk about themselves just enough that they can talk about the book. They they shy away from their personal sex lives or or their family of origin, whatever. But oh, thank God, Christine was none of that. Christine was a fucking hoot, and it's all colored even better because she's got that like very polite Minnesota e accent. You know, she's got that accent where when they swear, you go. Are you allowed to do that? You know, <laughs> so she was so much fun. I hope you enjoy this one. Let's go chat with Christine Delosier. I'm so happy. No, I am thrilled. No, I am proud, nay, honored to once again be sponsored by the most powerful vibrator in the game, the Motor Bunny. Um, you know, sometimes, the you know, pre-pandemic times, I would sometimes put an ad on Reddit and just be like, hey, Anyone want to come over and ride the most powerful vibrator of their lives? And uh, I would get a lot of responses. I'll be honest with you. I forget how I matched up with this woman, but I matched up with a woman who had a friend and they both had another friend who swang with her husband and all of them were independently curious about the motor bunny. So I was just like, yo, do y'all want to like come over and just take turns riding it? (laughs) And they did. And the husband of one of them came by too. And so like he and I just sat there with a beer chilling while these three chicks fucked each other on my bed, taking turns playing with my motor bunny. I'm just telling you, the motor bunny is like the center of a party and you can get $40 off when you use promo code manhor at checkout or when you visit manhorpond.com slash motor bunny. What are you waiting for? Why are you dilly-dallying? Why are you stalling? You know you've got that great podcast idea that you've just been dying to do, but you just can't seem to get over the hump to start. Well, look, right now you got to start because you can get up to two months of free podcast hosting services with Libsyn. Yeah, Libsyn, that's where I host my podcast. That's where all the big indie greats host their podcasts. They've been in the game since before these things were even called podcasts. So one more time, click the link in the show notes or use promo code Billy, B-I-L-L-Y at Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. Now let's get to the show. I get gifts like that too. (laughs) Your sister sent you a vibrator? Yeah, yeah, she's... (laughs) And you know, my kids opened it, of course. What? Why did your sister send you a vibrator? She thought she thought it was good, you know, and she's like, oh, your birthday present's coming in the mail. And it's like, of course, my kids intercepted it. They opened it and they're like, what's that? You know, and my my daughter was like, oh, it's a thermometer. And I was like, it's one of those ear thermometers. And I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Just uh, not. And and the whole time, it's actually a rectal thermometer if you want to go that way. Uh, (laughs) What would your sister get you? It was the um, Satisfy Pro. She was very pleased with it. She's like, oh, yeah, you got to try this. So I was like, "Okay, yeah, try it. Your sister's got good good taste. Yeah. (laughs) That's nice. Do you have that type of relationship where you'll talk about this? There's a relationship that sisters have. That I feel like like a brother sister will never like don't usually have as much or at least. Not oh, my like God. A- my cousins are like that's like brother and sister. And it's like, don't think about my sister at all or, or I will kick your ass. You know, that's the kind of relationship like they don't want to ask not, you know, do not ask, do not tell, you know, no talk about that sort of thing. But no, my sister and I, we talk about everything. I mean, everything, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's yeah, that's we're only two years apart, so. It comes with the, the territory. And it's has, has it always been like that? Yeah. It's like it's a very open like family household. Is that the whole family or just you two? 
No, just the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. would just, it was always our little club. You know, we would sit around talking shit about our mom and stuff together. You know, it was like our little thing. You know, we just like, yeah, we had our own little club. Nobody else was, was kind of invited to the, to that little party. My sister's the type of person, she will say anything, anything that comes out of it to her mind. So, you know, it, it, and she'll say at any place, anywhere, you know, in any company. And it's really awesome because um, she's so fucking funny, you know? <laughs> yeah, but like, sh- you know, shitting on mom together, I think that's like a, you know, a long held pastime. But the, like, there are definitely <laughs> family members who, like, some are, you know, will be like, y'all, I'm very open. Some can be very closed off. Like, my sisters don't want, I mean, I talk about my sex life for a living and they unfollow me from, Instagram because they just can't they don't want to hear about it. but amongst each other they'll talk about the sex stuff I go like this is bullshit like <laughs> right. and also not for nothing I think you know if you two want to talk about sex toys with each other I think I might know about a few more toys that would be I don't know I just feel like I'm a beneficial I just want to be in the club Expert I want to be in the talking resource, to each other yeah. club. you've got it yeah and it, you could be an insider into the you know the the sex world for them yeah, I bring something to the table. Right. Uh, I, I, do y'all know about the Motor Bunny? I have a promo code. Do you want? I mean, I can. I was like, I'm the brother who can get you the best free sex toys because I just call a company and be like, Yo, can I get a couple freebies? I don't know. I just, I just want my sisters to love me the way they love each other. I don't know. What it is. <laughs> well, I think I've I've become a little bit too comfortable talking like in my family because I. You know, I wrote this book and ever since then, it's like everything's about sex, you know, like everything. And it's like, and I said something to like, it was like my kids. I said something like, oh, I was going to make some joke. And they're like, yeah, probably some inappropriate sex joke. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. You know, geez, you know, is it that <laughs> have I gotten to that point where it's like family time is just like still, you know, me talking about sex or <laughs> something. My kids are older. They're like at the age where they're like going through puberty and they're, you know, like learning about stuff, you know. Um, but I think I'm a little bit too relaxed and carefree about, you know, what I say and stuff. I mean, yeah, I don't there's talk some- to them about my own sex life, but. <laughs> but but some do i don't know my dad I, I was at the dinner with my dad like a week ago and we're at this restaurant and then like he says to the bartender he's like hey you should hey go search the what was it the man slut go search the man slut show <laughs> is that what it's called i'm like it's been eight years dad what's going on he's like no that's my son he's like he, he literally gra- flags the bartender and just says hey hey my kid right this is my son hi this is billy jr billy <laughs> My son has sex for a living. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? <laughs> like, I appreciate the pride, but also what? <laughs> this is, it's interesting when you – I mean, I think when you talk about sex for a living or, or if talking about sex is part of the the brand or the profession, like if it's a subset of what you do, like – yeah, I think family members can get really fucking weird about it if they have their own weird shit around sex. You like become this like lone outlet. Like they won't talk <laughs> about sex with anyone, but like, oh good, Christine's here. My cousin Christine, cool. We can talk to her about butt stuff. Great. Like <laughs> right. it's like, oh, what what foods help for prep? Uh you you know, and this is appropriate because you do it for work. Right. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like people tell me everything. I mean, everything, you know, and it's cool. I mean, I like it. I'm glad people feel comfortable, you know. What was like your household like growing up? Like your sister and you have that relationship, but was the house fairly sex positive? Were you two your lone outlets to each other? Um, My mom had gotten pregnant when she was 14 with my sister. And, Mm. um, you know, she was like 17 by the time she had me. So she was so petrified that we were going to get knocked up that she just, it was like, you know, you don't talk about it. You don't think about it. It's not going to happen. Kissing a boy. What? I mean, are you freaking nuts? You know, like it was, that would be like filthy, you know, because she was just afraid, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so then like, where did you like first start to learn about sex or did she explain it and say, don't do it? Oh, no, she didn't explain it. It was the sort of thing we kind of just caught on. Like if we said, oh, I think this boy's cute, you know, or said something about like kissing or something like that. That So we talked with each other. And, you know, I grew up like in this city, kind of an urban, you know, neighborhood. And sex is kind of different. You know, I feel like there people have sex at a younger age. You know, lots of my friends did get knocked up as, you know, very early on. And um, people were having a whole lot of sex. And so I, you know, we talk about it. We, we, I just learned about it from my friends at school and who was doing what, you know, that sort of thing. 
by the time you got to college, do you feel like like what was your attitude about sex? Well, I think most women uh, that that I grew up with in that kind of you know my generation, it's like you didn't want to be a slut because you know if you wanted love, you would you know you wait to put out. You are like the nice girl and and you don't really have sexual needs until like later on. So that was kind of the thing. You wouldn't want a guy to think that you're a slut and, you know, not respect you. So that was that was kind of the attitude. Um, it wasn't until I became older that I, you know, started kind of coming into my own sexually and, and articulating what I wanted. You know, having an orgasm was something you did. I did by myself having sex with something I did with a partner. Mm-hmm. And of course, like your sister got the full breakdown once that. Oh, my <laughs> sister was happening. fucking, you know, my sister was, was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a quote. My sister was fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Love a nice early morning shot to, uh, to loosen you up to, yo, my sister was fucking. Let me tell you. Christina. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like, like I mean, so I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming she was active before you because she's a few years older. So does she kind of become how you learn about a lot of things? Oh, she would tell me. She's like, listen, I don't want you to be embarrassed. So I'm just going to lay it out for you. You know, I'm talking about when I was like 12. You know, she's like, this is how you kiss somebody. I don't want you to embarrass yourself. So here and she just gave me step by step instructions how to make out with a guy, you know. Yeah, she's like, yo, my sister is going to be real good at fucking one day. I'm going to make sure no one's going to talk shit because my sister's going to be the goat of fucking in upstate New York. (laughs) You got to love it. Uh, But uh, which, again, like I feel again with my sisters, I go, I feel like I'm a good resource if shit is tough. Like I don't. Anyway, it's fine. That's their thing. Uh, but I just feel left out. It's it, I have no childhood trauma <laughs> over getting left out with them. It's fine. Uh, where, where did your um, your interest in? So, so were you studying like food first or sex first? Like which came first, and then how does that end up getting mixed in as like your one of your focuses? Okay, so um, food's always been kind of a passion of mine. I've always loved, you know, just eating, making food, cooking food, photographing food, the aesthetic of food, you know, um, always been kind of a total foodie. And it's kind of how it is in my family too. Big family, you know, family get togethers where we have way too much food, everybody pigs out. Then I was as an acupuncturist, I started specializing in sexual health because, you know, lots, most acupuncturists, we treat a lot of neck pain, headaches, you know, back pain, things like that. And one of my uh, patients for back pain just asked me one day, oh, do you think you could do anything to help me have stronger erections? And I said, sure, let's give it a whirl. And he had such great results. He was so happy. His wife was happy. And then I had another patient after that. And I just had a a series of patients who had really good results. And I just decided, okay, I really want to specialize in this. And, you know, one of the places I had to put a needle was in his perineum. Well, I didn't have to. I, I wanted to. I said, hey, can oh. I put a needle in your perineum? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to. I could just put it in his arm, but what fun would that be? <laughs> you know, I think a lot more people would get the booster if they were like, yeah, we're going to stick it in the backside. It's going to feel good. <laughs> well, you know, it's a major crossing point of nerves associated with sexual function. So it's a really good one to use. Um, with uh, patients, you know, who want stronger erections. So yeah, that's what I was more nervous about doing was that I was saying, like, would you mind, you know, getting undressed and, you know, having me stick a needle under your testicles, you know, but he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And so I was like, okay, I quickly became very comfortable with that. You know, it's like, I've seen several naked guys and needled several, you know, people under their testicles just this morning, you know, it's not even noon yet, you know? Yeah. So. (laughs) Uh, I got I got like another half dozen balls to inject <laughs> this afternoon after this. I'm like, oh, wow, I would hate to keep you from that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> why Why is it better to do it under the – because you said you didn't have to, you wanted to. So why, why do it there versus like the arm, I guess? Yeah, because of all those nerves, like all those okay. sexual nerves, you know, that's like they go to the penis, they go um, – you know, they're they're just – all the sex stuff, all the sex nerves are there. So it's a really great way to access all of them. It's a major crossing point of them. So you're like getting all of these different nerve pathways in one shot. Mm-hmm. And so, and from there you decide like, oh, I, I think I want to focus more on helping people's sex lives. 
Okay. So yeah. So, so I decided to specialize in sexual health and then I brought the food in. So I would always ask my patients, you know, what are you eating? And based on my kind of training as a research scientist, I suspected that um, there was a, a much bigger relationship between what we're eating and how the sex is um, than people kind of acknowledge. So what I did was I just wanted to go into the medical literature and nutritional research and just, you know, kind of explore it and see, you know, what it said. So that's where I kind of bridged food and sex. And I kind of thought, you know, there's there I, I've never seen a book like this, so I wanted to write it. It was kind of a challenge for me. I said, yeah, I want to. And I wanted to have a resource for my patients because I was always talking to them about, uh, you know, food and, and nutrition. And I wanted to be able to give them something instead of me just lecturing them for, you know, endlessly every visit, you know. Yeah. Well, when you started doing like uh, diving more into the research, were, were there was there anything you learned about and I should say that the name of the book is Diet for Great Sex. And when you're where you're looking this stuff up, w- did you find anything where you went, oh fuck, like I something you were like you need to change in your life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, all the sugar I was eating. You know, sugar is something that when you when your when your blood sugar spikes, your testosterone dumps, and and that's important for males and females. You know, you don't want to be getting busy right after you've had a super sugary meal. But in the long term, you get major shifts in your sex hormones when you're eating a lot of refined sugar. So in the short term, your testosterone drops. And then in the long term, you get these like major, you know, hormonal um, shifts that aren't ideal for sex. So something like that was surprising. Like, yeah, I really got to change that. And just eating more leafy greens. I mean, that was a huge one. You know, I was looking at, I'm always curious to see what, you know, monkeys and like primates eat because I feel like humans, we don't know what the fuck to eat. You know what I mean? We, we're so lost. We don't have instincts for food anymore. You know, an, an animal goes out and they eat what they're supposed to eat. You know, they know, they know what to eat for great sex. You know, we like, oh, what should I eat? You know, they we go around asking each other and nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. You know, so if you look at other primates though, they sit around eating tons of leaves. They like, they sit around eating leaves all day long and in doing so, they get many times the amount of potassium, magnesium, and many minerals and all these phytonutrients that are great for sex. One of the really important ones is potassium. And humans, we used to take in about 10 times as much potassium as sodium in our diets. Now it's just the opposite. We take in it because we eat so much processed foods. You know, we take in about 10 times as much sodium as potassium. And what that does is it wreaks havoc on those tiny little blood vessels leading to the clitoris, the vagina, and the penis. And, um, you know, so eating leaves really helps to, A, offset the damage of the salt, and it just helps to improve our blood vessels and therefore bring more blood to where we want it. Which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, more blood flow for, you know, for penises, you got more like firmer erections and just in general, like the more blood flow going on, the more pleasure happens, right? Yeah. It's like your clitoris will be more sensitive if there's more blood flowing to it. You'll have better lubrication, um, stronger erections, things like that. And then of course, you know, leaves, they affect the whole trifecta of great sex. Like, you know, if, if you think about sex as a psychological phenomenon, we're missing some of the, the other parts of it. I mean, physiologically, great sex is when you have strong, fast nerve conduction to and from your genitals. It's when your sex hormones are balanced. It's That's why I think about when I think about great sex, I think, uh, you know, strong nerve conduction. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what most people think, right? I mean, you know, (laughs) is strong nerve conduction. I mean, when I'm getting busy, you know, that's definitely on my mind. (laughs) But, you know, but leaves actually even help balance your sex hormones. Like, I mean, we're stressed out, super stressed out. So, our cortisol levels are like through the roof and that dumps testosterone too. But like leaves even reduce testosterone, I mean, reduce cortisol, the stress hormone so that it balances um, testosterone. It actually makes you have better testosterone levels. Mm. So the vegans are happier because I feel like if I were a vegan, I'd be miserable. So it's, it's hard for me to. <laughs> it's Meat's not all bad. I mean, Zinc is a huge, huge player in sexual health. You have more zinc. Sometimes I even recommend my patients supplementing with zinc. Um, Zinc is a huge one. I mean, think about oysters. Oysters, you eat one oyster and it's got about 50% of your daily zinc. And that's probably why they get their reputation as an aphrodisiac because it's such a huge player. 
Um, and meat has a very bioavailable source of um, zinc. Whereas like if you're eating beans and legumes as your protein, you're basically, um, unless you sprout them or soak them, the zinc isn't actually absorbable by your body. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you say that, you know, you, you doing the research for the book and you find out the, the, a, a few, a few things that you go, Oh, you know, I could change this in, in my day to day, but you know, a lot of things you're probably sharing and a lot of things that are probably great for sex are probably just also great for the body. So it's like, why was great for the body not the mo motivation? Like, why does it have to come down to, <laughs> hey, you want to live longer? Eh, don't really care. You want to fuck? Oh, I'm listening. <laughs> like, it's a marketing to eat better foods. It's all about the marketing well, of it those just, better foods. It's like, it basically, the whole book talks about what the effects it, effect is on sex. Like, some people don't give a shit about, you know, they're not going to be running. They're not going to be working out. They're not going to be eating well. And, you know, don't really care one way or the other, but they do want to have better erections. So this is, you know, this is how the food affects that. And that's mm. what it focuses on. It doesn't mean that it's like, oh, well, you know, I got to choose whether I eat the diet for a diet for good sex or diet for health. You know, gee, which do I want? Do I want health or do I want good sex? You know, <laughs> they're like <laughs> they're like the same. They are the same, but it's just this is telling you what it's actually doing to, you know, your penis, vagina and, you know, the how it's affecting you in the bedroom. Right. Like, you know, someone's like feeling a little sick. They're not going to, they don't go to the doctor, but if they have like one little dot somewhere in the genital <laughs> region, losing their fucking mind. Right. So they go, like, it's, it's just like, it, what a fucking base level creature we have become where it's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, to take care of ourselves. Fuck it. But so, ah, is this, is this thing, is this a rash? Is this a thing? Do I have to tell somebody about the thing? my heart, I don't give a fuck. Like, like it's just <laughs> right. crazy to me. But, and even, but you know, even you, you say like you learn this stuff and that's when it changed. And was that an easy change to make for you? What, whatever, like whatever change in your diet and, and lowering the sugars? I, I still work at it. Honestly, you know, I, I just don't want to ever get to the point where I'm so obsessed with what I'm eating that I stop eating for pleasure. You know, Food is meant to be pleasurable. Our bodies release dopamine. It's a pleasure chemical when we eat. So um, to take that away and, you know, be obsessed with dieting isn't going to, you know, make you a happier person. Um, but just simple things like for you, for example, you know, you said, okay, I don't, I'm not into like changing my diet and, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm telling everybody you had M&Ms and you had chips on your counter right behind you and you were trying to hide them for every, from everybody. I'm, I'm throwing you under the bus right now. Um, but, <laughs> um, start with one meal, you know, say, because for example, potassium is huge. I have a whole like section on potassium. So change your lunch. You know, you can still have a nice dinner, have a nice, um, breakfast that maybe is stuff that's not like, you know, maybe as healthy. But if you try to incorporate a salad and maybe a baked yam or something for your lunch, um, it's pretty filling and you're going to get about half of all the potassium needed just from that one meal. And then you can make up the rest of it other places and you're going to be getting a lot of magnesium, which is great for sex. You're going to be getting a lot of zinc. You're going to be um, getting all the stuff that leaves bring. There's a whole section on leaves, too, and just how important they are, like we talked about. So that's one meal a day. It's not a huge you know, it's not a huge lifestyle change and it'll bring tons to the, to the table for sex. Mm -hmm. And then when we hear that word diet, there's definitely the association about like, oh, it's for weight loss. And, and we, you know, sometimes it's for the overall health, but we've already established we're dumb pleasure monkeys who don't care about that. But sometimes people <laughs> will go like, oh, well, I want to lose weight, whether they want to feel more attractive or, you know, obesity can, my understanding, like lower libido and stuff. Okay, fair. But, you know, this, your book and, and what you're talking about isn't, has nothing to do with weight, right? Right. No, not, absolutely to nothing with... to do with weight. It's got to do with balancing sex hormones, blood flow, nerves, you know, all those aphrodisiac terms that we talked about. Yeah. What What are some of the more important chemical situations besides blood flow that are important for like healthy sex? And, you know, what are there any other like like what kind of foods like really boost those in particular? Oh, well, you know, that's what the whole book is about. Like foods that basically, that's the trifecta. The whole entire book talks about, um, you know, when we have good sex, we have those three working. So the whole book talks about foods that are good for those three. Um, but, you know, um, besides things like, um, you know, reducing your sugar intake, 
um, you know, improving your leafy greens, um, you know, getting B vitamins, for example, is really important. All the B vitamins are really associated with your nerve function. So um, just think about it. Okay. What is pleasure? Pleasure is a signal from your dick to your spine, to your brain and back again. Okay. That's what pleasure is. Okay. Okay. And um, when that's a strong signal, you get more pleasure. When it's a weak signal, you get less pr- pleasure and your body responds with less blood flow and, and everything, you know, kind of gets out of whack. More difficulty, you know, having an orgasm, things like that. Antioxidants are a huge one because especially for my female patients, the biggest complaint is difficulty achieving orgasm and low libido, I would say. And the more that you can strengthen those nerve pathways, the better orgasms um, you'll have and the easier orgasms you'll have. So antioxidants are a big one because all that nerve damage that slows down, you know, those those signals comes from oxidative stress. It's like how life damages our nerves. It, It causes, you know, so antioxidants basically offset that and then help those nerves. So even with, so for example, like type two diabetics, have a real big problem with that. Their nerves get really slower and um, weaker. And so what they did is they supplemented with antioxidants in this one study, for example, and then actually measured how f- strong and fast their nerve impulses were. And they were better. And um, they did another study where they supplemented with antioxidants and then asked them how sex was, you know, and they found that it was they were having easier orgasms, they were having just overall general better sexual satisfaction. Is it a factor when someone comes in and say they're having trouble getting um, achieving orgasms? I mean, are they talking about solo by themselves or with partners? And if they're talking about partnered, you know, it does it get weird when you have to be like, maybe he's just not that or whoever it is like that. They're not that good in bed. Like, do you ever have to bring that up with somebody? I do bring that up with with them. And yeah, sometimes it can be an uncomfortable. I had that conversation today, as a matter of fact, with a female um, client of mine who was saying, well, you know, I can have an orgasm when I'm by myself, but not with my my husband. And, you know, I used to be able to, but now it's just, you know, she's different now. Her body is different. She's, you know, um, her hormones are different and, and whatnot. So I, uh, so she actually bought my book and I told her to read the last chapter, which has a detailed tutorial on orals, oral sex. Um, because, um, yeah, you got to get some skills, you know, and it's like, it might be easy, you know, getting off like a 20 year old, maybe, Although, quite honestly, I didn't really have orgasms with um, partners when I was 20 at all. So, I mean, I didn't know what to tell them to do. They didn't know what to do. And, mm. you know, it was just a major miscommunication. But, yeah, I mean, you have to have a dedicated partner who actually wants to learn about your body. And it can't be this sort of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, this worked on my last girlfriend, you know, so... I've got, you know, and then they think like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really skilled. It's like, you got to learn what she likes, you know, some yeah, people you like to start pressure. right back over. You're yeah, exactly. It, Square one. <laughs> Comes to Volvo's be like, <laughs> this trick doesn't work. The audible doesn't work. My backup plan doesn't work. All right, let's have a conversation. What do you like? Uh, I've, I've tried my, my usual tricks. <laughs> I said, I was having a conversation with one of my patients, um, female patients uh, yesterday. And she was telling me how, Um, she's been with this guy for like two years and he doesn't go down on her. And, um, so, so she took her so much. She had to muster up so much to have a conversation with him about it. Of course, based on my, you know, encouraging her to do that. And finally she said, you know, why don't you go down on me? And he was like, well, I just thought things were so great already. You know, I didn't just see the need, you know? It was and- going great for me. I was coming and I didn't have to go down on you. So why would I go do more work? <laughs> well, it's like we have. They're reading this- too much Tim Ferriss. They're like, it's the 80-20 rule or whatever that is. <laughs> What's the 80-20 rule? Or there's some sort of rule about like, uh, it, it's something about like uh, putting in the minimal amount of effort to get the maximum amount of like reward. Well, I thought you were talking about like the 75-25, which is like 75% of women can't come just from penetration, you know, well, 25% yeah. can. Um, so that leaves Tim a whole Ferris isn't covering that very much, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could ask him to. Um, <laughs> um, but she, then the thing about it is, though, she just, she, he said to her, he's like, okay, well, you know what? Whenever you want it, whenever you want me to go down on you, you just tell me. Oh. She's like, 
She's like, oh, Jesus, I don't I don't want to have to tell you. I don't want to have to ask for it. And, and it it's like all of those, all of those, uh, the internalized messages about our pussy come into play there. You know, it's like, oh, does he think it smells okay? Does he like the aesthetic of it? Does he, is he grossed out? You know, is he, is he just doing this out of obligation? You know, all these different things come into play. And no, you just don't want to ask for it. You want somebody who's like, oh, I like eating pussy. You know, that's, that's the better attitude, you know? And even if one does not like eating pussy, you do it and you act like you do like at a bare (laughs) minimum, right? Like I don't believe everyone loves giving blowjobs, but even if you're if you're going to give it, you enthusiastic, you you make it seem like you're enth- and then, you know, like because nobody wants to see someone like sob their way through oral sex. That's no fun. <laughs> if it is fun for you, you've got some some sadism you got to look at uh, in your life, you know, uh, you know, well, I don't know. Like it's it's got to suck to have to like I want to uh, just ask me every time I would just be like, it's every time, every time. <laughs> right, That's right. this is a longstanding <laughs> ask of every time make an effort. <laughs> I mean, was that, you well, know, like, like, when did you, when did you feel comfortable, like just straight up kind of asking for what you need, how you need it when you need it? I was married for 10 years. And um, so the bar was at a certain level. It, 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 and then when I got divorced and started having more sex with people who had, who were older, um, and I was like, Okay, I realized, wow, there are people out there who can eat pussy, make me come every single time. I mean, I have somebody, I actually wrote about them in, in my book. I call him, you know, in a fun way, Mr. Pussy. Um, you call him Mr. Pussy? I just, you know, <laughs> fondly refer to him as Mr. Pussy. <laughs> I love that. That's better than what my mom said. My mom refers to her, like, so my mom has a Mr. Pussy, but she refers to him as Mr. Uh, six foot five. <laughs> Just oh, you know, when I used to date Mr. Six Foot Five, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> she tells you about how he knew how to eat pussy. She didn't. You know what? It's like she's never said he knew how to eat pussy, but the way she talked about him, <laughs> I assumed the man knew what he was doing. <laughs> well, okay. Most most of us have experiences with somebody who's like, my jaw's hurting. You know, my jaw's hurting, or or some kind of complaint that shut lets the you know fuck that up and play like a it. champion. What are you? I'm like, Ugh. grow up. Does anybody <laughs> like? I mean, <laughs> you know. So then, when this guy was like, oh yeah, sure. Oh, again tonight. You know, like he would just eat pussy once till I came, do it twice till I came, do it three times. Like I was like. Okay, here's the new standard. You know, this is the standard. So <laughs> so that's when I felt more comfortable saying it's you, not me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like yeah, this should be expected of you. Um I don't know. I mean, I feel like then there's there's people who are like, "Oh, well, you know, I just don't like it." I'm yeah. oh, my first um relationship. I'm sensitive to smells, you know. I'm sensitive to smells. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you can get a blowjob, no problem but not reciprocate. And and I, I somehow went along with this because of that internalized message about tuna, you know, and, and women's coochies smelling like tuna and everything. You know, it's like, and you wash and you do all these things, but you still have this this fear that, you know, you're not pleasing your partner. And, um, you know, the thing about it is nobody likes a gorgonzola the first time they try it, you know, they don't like a finely aged wine. I mean, you cultivate an appreciation for it and you associate it with sex. You know, I mean, a pussy smells like a pussy. It doesn't, you know, even if no matter how clean you are, there's a biological thing going on there. That, that's, that's what a pussy smells like. Just like a dick has a biological odor, you know, even yeah, a did clean... that guy think that his balls were a fucking bouquet of flowers? <laughs> what, like... Apparently. Well, he, you know, we didn't have good sex, but I didn't know we didn't have good sex because, you know, I mean, it was one position. Oh, all the other ones are uncomfortable for me, you know? So it was one position, you know, pretty much played by, you know, his standard and, you know, and, and, and I thought it was somehow in the realm of normalcy. Mm. I mean, so, you know, even within the marriage where you had, you had a tough time asking for what you wanted or, uh, you know, that did was you my know first that- relationship. Um, that was my mm-hmm. first relationship, not my marriage that I was referring to my marriage. It was like, it was good enough. Like, you know, we, he knew how to, 
I don't want to talk, you know, about my ex-husband because if okay. you know what I mean, just like you know, we have kids together and stuff. Yeah. But you know, it was like it was it was adequate. But I just when when I got a divorce, I realized what all the possibilities, like what was actually possible, you know, just mm-hmm. totally broadened my world, mind blown, you know. Yeah. And I don't need to I don't need to hear like about like how your ex-husband was, but rather I'm I'm really more curious about uh, you know, especially women, anyone in, in, in long-term relationships or marriages, but, you know, particularly women, because we know why, uh, but like why, you know, like the, the inhibition to ask for what you want seems to be really strong there, especially when it's something as foundational as a marriage. And so right. I, I'm more curious about like, just like about not regardless of the quality of anything going on, but rather like what your relationship was to, to not asking. And then when you saw what the world was, like, did part of you go like, wait, why didn't I ask for any of this then? Like, this could have been improved if I, you know, I could have just asked. You know, this is the thing. This is a big um, psychological thing. And there's so many roots. There's, you know, cultural roots, historical roots, you know, roots in just, you know, feminism or, you know, uh, sexism and, and whatnot. But a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, just pleasing our partners and that sort of thing. And, you know, a lot of women say, okay, well, my husband or my partner doesn't know how to eat pussy yet. They will feel bad if I don't give them some kind of indication that I'm satisfied. So they want to be considered and feel like good lovers without actually putting the work in to learn how to do it. You know, um, lots of people I meet, they, they think they have great skills because they, looked online once or something, or they asked one of their buddies how to eat pussy. And then all of a sudden they, you know, feel like they've put their time in, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, and then the other thing is again, just like all of our feelings about genitals, you know, like the difference between men, you know, like male genitals and female genitals and how, um, you know, our associations with it, you know, you see so much out there that kind of puts down female genitalia, you know, that I think we get it really ingrained. And I've like, okay, I have one friend, for example, she's been with somebody for like 20 years and she's still only goes and jerks off to have an orgasm. Okay. Mm. Instead of asking her partner, she has sex with her partner and then goes and jerks off to get off. Um, because, and she fakes orgasms, you know, because she says, well, you know what? I've been doing it for so long at this point. I don't, I'm not going to have an orgasm. And then we worry that like, oh, well, you know, they're not going to want to sit around waiting for me to have an orgasm. I mean, you know, on average, a male can have an orgasm in under 10 minutes, whereas a female by the, you know, including the time it takes to get aroused, to build up libido, to get super excited, have an orgasm, it could be 45 minutes, you know, for some it's not, I mean, you know, it could be a half an hour. It could be 45 minutes. It could be more, you know, it, Us it under 10 minutes. Cause we're still number one, still number <laughs> one. <laughs> it's uh it's tough. And so how do you, how do you talk to, to your kids about sex? Um, well, I, uh, I just, you know, I, I kind of wait for their initiative. Usually. I mean, I've had the conversations like, this is sex, you know, this is reproduction, but like my son, you know, and he, I could tell it, he, he wasn't sure if he wanted to ask me. He's 13. He said, how do girls masturbate? Cause he didn't understand like, cause you know, guys have a dick and they just do that. Like, what the hell do girls do? You know, they don't, they don't like have, you know, they don't have anything to, to do down there, you know? And, Nothing uh, <laughs> to do. Oh my, so much. There are sections there. Are, there's parks. There's a little rest stop area. Like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on. I, I, yeah, it, it's like going uh, playing with a pussy. It's it's like going to the Met. You could spend hours there all day and still not see <laughs> not the whole see thing. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told him that. So that's that's when I got out my <laughs> anatomical <laughs> diagrams that I looked up online, and I brought all the kids around. You know, I have three little ones, so I showed everyone like, oh, might as well make this an educational session. I showed them an anatomical, you know, diagram of the the female anatomy. And told told them, and they all regretted um, having asked. So, <laughs> what is, I mean, but they but they know what you talk about for you know one of the things that you talk about for work. It's just I don't know. It's uh, it, somebody's brought up the idea that like 
whether it will be Gen Z or the generation just below that, like your kids age, uh, if, if they're not in that, the idea of uh, that because we have become more sex positive and sexually liberated, will we accidentally raise like a more prudent embarrassed by sex generation where they're like sex is not a big deal but we don't like talking about it because like mom was always talking about her orgies so it just like felt weird because like she was too liberated like kind of like how we yeah. got the uh, the reagan era 80s or whatever that was see i kind of suspect that it wouldn't be that you know it wouldn't be somebody having a sex positive attitude it would more be how much we rely on social media and the internet for our socialization you know where people aren't connecting physically. People are embarrassed by everything. My kids won't call somebody on the phone or not all of them. Sometimes they will. But, you know, my daughter will. Well, that's weird to call them. I'd rather text, you know, like so having a conversation with somebody, we don't develop the skills that we need because we spend so much time communicating, you know, via Internet and, you know, social media and stuff. And I feel like people are in general, that's trending towards uh, a huge um, segment of the population just having less sex in general due to discomfort with other human beings, you know? Mm -hmm. Especially because good sex requires the whole talking. Yeah, you got to have part. some game. You got to make conversation. You know, it's not. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like it can be awkward. You have to get past all those social, you know, that social awkwardness in order to connect with one another. And we're not forced to because we have this this crutch, you know? And, and what's the age range of your kids? Oh, so um, I have a ten-year-old, uh, twelve and thirteen, and then I have an older daughter who's twenty-six. Gotcha. Uh, and I know I have a lot of parents who who listen to the show, and you know, definitely a common question is like, what is age appropriate and when to talk about what? Uh, especially when you have the complication of the internet, where they may have been introduced to a lot of shit that they don't have explained yet. And you might have been like, ah, I was going to talk to you about uh, gangbangs at 17, but it seems like you are 13. You already know about these. So I guess I got to you know, speed that up. So how, how have you been navigating all of that over the last several years? Um, yeah, just based on, you know, their, if I think of something, I, I tell them about it. I'm pretty open with the kids. You know, I'm pretty open about everything. Um, so except for like, I don't know. I feel like, again, I, I don't want to, except for like some aspects of porn, because I just feel like porn is, is it is really destructive to human contact sexuality in many ways, because it, you know, just all the things that we, we learn, we, you know, that's becoming more public now, you know, it's like some people look at porn, you know, they got like their cell phone out while they're fucking somebody to get off. Like they can't get off without watching the porn and stuff like that. So I've been really protective with them about, you know, kind of exploring that, you know, at least conversationally, if that makes sense, just because, um, I don't know, so many early childhood experiences surrounding sex really rewire kids or not rewire they wire kids brains sexually so people look back and a lot of times their whole sexual tastes and preferences and situations that turn them on are based on shit that happened in their childhood or sexuality that they were exposed to in in their childhood so i don't know if that makes sense well yeah it sounds like you say very open but you're you're cautious about the the porn talk yeah I don't want to really encourage that. Some people I know, some parents are just like, okay, that's normal. You know, watching porn is normal. Um, so, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like there's, you know, porn used to be something like, you know, guys would pass around a picture of like a, you know, scantily clad, you know, woman or something, or, you know. It's like everyone came boots. on the same copy of Playboy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like oh, a those totally two pages sticking together. That was Jim. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. You know, and it was just sex was a different kind of thing. I mean, you could still relish the excitement of, you know, having somebody in person without that dependence on on that. I don't know. It's like when you make everything Hollywood and it's like you've got the best lighting, you've got the flawless, you know, people who are flawless, you know, having sex. It's like that's what you associate with sexuality. 
Yeah. Not like real people who've got like some flab or they got some stretch marks or just, you know, their dick isn't, you know, 12 inches long and, you know, two feet wide. I mean, it's Which just- we don't even teach the boys. Uh, hey, th- those the camera does amazing things with angles like there are a lot more six inch dicks in porn that you'd have no idea. Really? You know? yeah, okay, you that's see- interesting. Yeah. But, you know, what do you think about the I've, I've heard some this like school of thought where there's some parents who they will go find like a good what they personally think is a good, appropriate, um, fair, somewhat more realistic porn site. Right. Where, you know, whether it's like a trench coat X or something from like Erica Lust or, you know, they'll, they'll find a, a porn site they are comfortable with their kids maybe exploring and then they get them a me- uh, like a, a membership to that site. But like, so you can watch porn, but this is the site you watch stuff at because they don't think it's giving incredibly unrealistic and dangerous ideas about what sex is. You know, that's an interesting approach because it's like, you know, obviously what I would like for, you know, particularly my sons is for them to develop the type of sexuality where, you know, real women, uh, turn them on sexually, you know, I mean, mm. not that I want to really think about my kids that my 10 year old, you know, like that right now, but they're, they're not your sister that you're not going to be like, yo, my sons, <laughs> they fucking like, <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't want to think about my son's fucking, but my sister, my sister be fucking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. So that's the thing is it's like, okay, well, what, what, what about just like looking at the, you know, the girl in math class and it's like, you know, I mean, isn't that going to be a turn on? Aren't they going to go home and jerk off to that? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's jerk off worthy in the real world. You know what I'm saying? People don't really need porn to explore their sex, their sexuality. And the more you watch, the more you're exposed to, the more that becomes part of, you know, your sexuality. But Mm -hmm. so I guess it's, it's a kind of a toss up because it's like, okay, well, if I don't, if I don't gear them towards any porn, are they going to just be watching it anyways and just looking at the really nasty stuff, you know, that's like, you know, that's really going to kind of distort their like sense of reality and, and what's, you know, reasonable expectations and stuff. Or do I, you know, expose them to something that's like a lot more, yeah, normalized. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a Mm -hmm. tough question. Uh, I, I have two other questions that I'm definitely curious about. One is the thing that I get very angsty about when it comes to sex and food, and it is the butt things. Gosh, I would love to like uh, know some cheat codes on how to like get ready. Like I did, you know, like if I know I'm going to on Wednesday do something with someone with my butt, I'd really like to like feel emptier and cleaner beyond, oh, don't eat a bunch of junk food right before. But like, yeah. I guess the two parts are is there are there foods that are best for the backdoor uh health and cleanliness and then two is what's the like lead time on eating and the digestive system so you're probably fairly clean and maybe need a very slight douche okay so um you know different foods have different processing time the the quickest transit time are fruits um the longest transit time are like pork you know things like that um, and di- even different meats have different transit times. So uh, it's like pork's like the longest, then beef, then chicken, then fish um, is quicker. And of course, vegetables. So it's like th- this is the continuum you have over here. You have fruit, then vegetables, then fish, then chicken, then beef, then pork. Okay. And how long sense. are we talking? Like It depends on the person. Some people have a 24-hour transit time, um, generally speaking, for for meals. (laughs) One into the You're running the MTA over there. (laughs) Um, But then other ones have – it depends entirely on the person. Um, Some people just have a quicker metabolism, you know, of of food. So you kind of have to figure out what what you are. Um, So like maybe half a day to a day and a half kind of a range. Exactly, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cause sometimes I'm just like, Ooh, I want to eat this thing. And I'm like, is it far enough away from a butt thing to like to <laughs> right. do this now? Or am I just taking the risk? That's the calculation that goes no, in my it's mind. It's always a risk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And there's also, if you want to, do, would you care to explain? I I'm familiar with the concept of there's like kind of the the chambers. So there's like the there's some loading situations going on. It's not like when it gets back there, it's just back there. Do you want to explain like how that rectum situation works? Well, yeah. I mean, so you basically have you know. Yeah, you have different segments of the digestive tract. You know, I mean, the the food goes from your mouth, your esophagus, to your stomach, to your you know uh, small intestines, then your large intestines, then your colon, um, and then you know, for some people, it, and the thing is, it 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 differs according to person too. Some people have it, it; it sits there for a lot longer than other people. So they may have like drier stool. Other people have looser stool because it hasn't been there long enough for all that extra water to be absorbed into the intestines. So, um. As far as different chambers, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking just the different segments of the um, intestines, you know. I was thinking like, well, the idea of um, like when you need to poop, it's like it's like right there. But there might be like feces kind of in like a chamber, be like a chamber of secrets behind the thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's not there. So like they so you could have like poop back there. But if someone were to put some fingers up there, they might not actually reach that poop. Yeah. If you're putting right? fingers up there, you're definitely not going to be reaching the small intestines. You know, you're going to be reaching. It's going to be in like the uh, what the Sigmund colon. And then, you know, it's not going to be for, you know, far enough for, for that. But but again, food spends like, you know, up to a day just in traveling along the intestines. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are the better what are the better foods for that backdoor health? Uh, for backdoor health, oh, that's a good question. Um, definitely, you know, leaves. Leaves are good for everything because leaves, first of all, they bring more blood flow. So, um, you know, if you're if you're thinking like tissue repair, you know, if you've got if you're having some backdoor action, you want to um, kind of have tissues that. Uh, are kind of elastic without damaging and that have a, a, a good efficient repair of those tissues. And that means good blood flow. Um, for example, you know, and so the leaves are great for that. Leaves are probably the best thing you can put in your body for your vast, you know, your blood vessels and delivering blood flow because they improve the elasticity of those blood vessels. They, um, bring more blood flow. You know, they just overall promote vascular health and, and health of your cells as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and then you're also you're also an acupuncturist. And does are there any sexual benefits to acupuncture? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, so when I put a needle, for example, I mean, I, I put needles in people according to their constitution. So two people may come in for sexual health, and I may put needles in completely different places because one person is presenting with what we call, uh, say chi and blood deficiency and another one may uh, be presenting with uh, chi stagnation, for example. So the needles go different places, but I might definitely put that in the uh, perineum like like we talked about. But what happens when we actually put a needle in there? You know, when, when I put a needle in the perineum, for example, the first thing you get is an increase in blood flow. Any place I put a needle, you get an immediate increase in blood flow. Um, the second thing is I stimulate a certain nerve pathway. So um, the, the, the key thing here is that every single substance produced by the body, every hormone, every neurotransmitter is ultimately controlled by the nervous system. So when we stimulate a nerve pathway, we affect change in the body chemistry. And we're talking about things like sex hormones for sure, even things like dopamine, serotonin, um, you know, histamine, all those things, we, you know, depending on where we're putting the needles, we're affecting change, you know, chemically in the body. So that's uh, and, why, and, why it's good for sex is because we, we see changes in things like testosterone and estrogen. And also we strengthen that um, nerve pathway and that nerve conduction, you know, in, in that particular area. So, and increasing blood flow. So it does all three of those. Do you need to do the acupuncture like regularly to see those benefits? Well, you know, acupuncture, you know, kind of moves people more toward balance and life kind of unbalances us. So it, it depends. I, most of my patients, so for example, I, if I have a regular patient, um, if they skip a week, they might notice that their treatment results decline, for example. So for some people, yes. For some people, it's just permanent. So for example, I recently treated somebody who he had been having sex and all of a sudden he just felt something weird happen in his testicles. And then he had been having some, um, 
like his erections weren't as firm since then and he was having some pain. Um, I treated him like six times and, you know, his com- his situation completely improved and he didn't need any further treatment, you know, for example. And is that just is that just you like tapping a spot enough times that it fixed whatever was going on in his testicle? Like, it's that's like wild. injury. It was there was some he had been basically really rough with his girlfriend. They were having really rough sex and he just felt something, you know, he just twisted something. So like any kind of injury, acupuncture just helps speed recovery because, you know, just increasing blood flow is good for it. And then, you know, again, it kind of stimulates the body's healing response. So just like, for example, if you were to cut your finger, your body detects tissue damage and it directs the appropriate agents to repair those tissues. When I put a needle in the body, we actually cause a little bit of tissue damage in doing so. And it's going not just on this, the skin. I mean, people don't realize how far in we go with the needles. Um, you know, in the test underneath the testicles, uh, I might. Are you go going deeper in, than a tattoo needle? Oh yeah, it's, I might go in like. Wait, can you see? Where's my camera here? Uh, oh, there we go. I might go in like that that far wow. into the perineum, in the hips. I have into a video the perineum, you go that deep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's for some people. That's deeper than the finger they get in the butt. Sometimes, I mean, that's a yeah, deep. I'll that's a deep the needle. I use for the um, perineum. Let me see. I got one right over here. So I, I was thinking needle. to myself, oh, maybe I'll try that sometime. And then you just went like, that was deep. Yeah, I use this needle. I don't know if you can see it. It's <sighs> okay. Like, so I first saw the bottom part that's a little thicker. You see that little, like that yeah. short part at the bottom? No, that's I was like, handle. oh, that's manageable. <laughs> now I can see the thin, long motherfucker. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's, that's, wait a minute. There we go. What, you see it what in does it go into? That deep. It goes deep again, right there. under the testicles. Um, or is it know, getting the into the. When you do the, the, go through the perineum, is it hitting the testicles going no, that deep? No, no, no. it doesn't hit the testicles at all. That's why you What's go into hitting? that particular area. It's it's just getting very close to that bundle of nerves that crosses there. Wow. That's it. And um, so, um, yeah, we go a little further in. And what that does is it stimulates all those nerve pathways. But it also, um, you know, kind of stimulates the body's healing response, too. So in the case with that patient who had, you know, had some kind of tissue damage with that rough sex. It just is encouraging blood flow and encouraging tissue repair. That's wild because like what else, <clears throat> if you didn't come in for acupuncture, I can't like what, if you went to like a, you know, a regular kind of Western medicine doctor, what, what would the doc say? Be like, Duh, I like, what would they, like, I don't even know what else you would try. Yeah, he had already been to a urologist um, and he hadn't had great results, you know, uh, from that. So that's why he came to me. Um, But yeah, it was just like, okay, well, just, you know, let it rest. Let it, you know, let your body heal, that sort of thing. Yeah. And and, and then that didn't help. But it's like, yeah, let's let's get that big fucking needle in the gooch (laughs) and see how that works. That's amazing. Um, Do you ever do I know, you know, perineum is very close to everything. But do you ever is there ever is there acupuncture that one would do on genitals? No, I've I've never done acupuncture on the actual genitals. Oh, uh, I was really nervous. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Look, sounding freaks me out. I the medical play people, they do their thing, but just you know, uh, oof, the the thought of needles in any of that stuff. <sighs> yeah. Now I I do put one below the tailbone though, so in between the anus and the coccyx, I I will put one there. Uh, Christine, thank you so much for uh, for chatting with us and for telling us some more about uh, Diet for Great Sex. And, you know, if people, uh, they want to get the book, if they want to follow you, where can they go find you? So um, I'm on Instagram for, I've got some recipe videos and things like that on Instagram and TikTok at Diet for Great Sex. I have a blog, uh, which is dietforgreatsex.com, and you can buy my book on Amazon. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you again for, for making the time to chat and, uh, tell your, tell your sister, she's got great taste. Um, satisfier is a good toy. And (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, thank you again. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye. And thank you so much for having me on your show. I had a lot of fun. Look, I'm eating the fucking green beans, okay? I ate three apples last week, and I just feel like that's an accomplishment over here. We're all about growth and change on the show, but let's not go too fast, all right? Hands off my plate. I'm trying. I just want my cum to not taste gross. Hi. I hope you enjoyed my conversation this week with Christine Delosier. Definitely pick up her book, Diet for Great Sex. 
You'll pick up some very useful tips and tricks over there. Again, this isn't about weight loss. This is just about feeling good enough so you can fuck good enough. Uh, We would love to know what you thought about this week's episode in the episode discussion channel in our Discord server, The Champagne Room. Introduce yourself today at manwhorepod.com slash discord. Uh, This was really funny. Last week, three different men named Joe on OnlyFans bought me jock straps in a variety of colors and styles. Holy shit. I got to say, I look amazing in a jock strap. The gays were right. What what was taking me so long? Oh my. If you want to check out those hot photos or maybe you want to, you know, <laughs> buy me something pretty yourself, uh, go follow my free OnlyFans at onlyfans.com slash Billy. You can always email me directly at manhorpod at gmail.com. Enjoy your Christmases this weekend, everybody. If that's what you, uh, if that's what you celebrate, enjoy your uh, your Chinese food day. If you don't, think twice about the Spider Man. Hey, I want to see it too, but I think that's the real super spreader. That's I think that's what it's going to be. Have you seen the box office numbers out of this world? Look, just try to make some smarter decisions, uh, some less selfish decisions, and in the most responsible way possible. Stay slutty. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now, Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny or use promo code manwhore at checkout.